Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. How does one recover from a public betrayal from someone you loved and trusted, like a husband? How do you find resilience and find your feet again? In today's podcast, I sit down and talk with Lisa Turkhurst, author, public figure and mother, about her very public and traumatic betrayal experience by her husband, how this dramatically affected her health, and how she found hope and healing despite it all. We also discuss some interesting topics like how to recover from religious trauma, how to know when it's time to set boundaries, how to have healthy conflict, and more. This is an emotional and powerful episode packed with so much insight and so many helpful tips. So let's dive in. Lisa, it's so lovely to see you again. It's been a few years, I think probably a good 10 years since we met at a conference somewhere and you know, I'm a great fan of yours as well and wonderful to have you with me this morning on, to talk about your new book, which is covering such an important topic. So welcome, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much. It is a joy to be with you. I am such a huge fan of your work and have benefited greatly from all of your wisdom and insight. So thank you. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. Well, we're all trying to help each other. And I think that's one of the most important things is, you know, having helping each other and with all these deep, meaningful connections that form, it's just so important for our health. So thank you for joining me today. And Lisa, you have a very interesting background story, and I know a lot of people do know your story, but I think it's worth sharing it again. And then, you know, we'll, you've written a book just from all your experience, and you do a lot. So, do you mind sharing your background story? That is very, it's very pretty sad, and and yet you overcame it in a wonderful way. Thank you. Yeah. So I was married almost 30 years and I got married very young and we had a busy, wonderful family. We had three daughters and then adopted two boys from Africa. And so life was full. It was meaningful. We're a very tight knit family and it was just beautiful. And I was, I was really doing a lot of work in ministry and growing an organization, writing books. And so it was a busy life, but it was a really good life. And then that all came to an absolute screeching halt when I found out my then husband was having an affair and it crushed me beyond what I thought I could bear. I found out the day of my oldest daughter's rehearsal dinner. Mm. And so this weekend that had been such a dream for really, since I found out I was pregnant with a little girl, I thought of the day of her wedding, straightening her veil and all of that. So when I found this out, I, I first went into shock. And then I think I just went into automatic pilot mode because I didn't want to take anything away from her wedding. And yet inside, I felt like my whole world was imploding. And it's really hard to have a wedding on that same time because mm. You know, it was, I was having to constantly smile on the outside while I felt like I was dying on the inside. And I think we all have situations in life where we can relate to that kind of pain. But this for me was really devastating. We went through years of counseling, trying very hard to repair the marriage. Mostly I wanted to stay together because I wanted my family together. And and I really, really loved my ex-husband. I never thought we would get a divorce. And so through the years of trying, a lot of emotional trauma continued to happen because when I thought that we were going to counseling to repair our marriage, 
there was another whole life that he was living outside of, of our marriage. And the emotional trauma eventually took quite a toll on my physical body. So in 2016, I had to have emergency surgery to remove most of my colon because it had gotten so twisted inside of me. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and wound up having a double mastectomy. So it was back-to-back physical trauma in the midst of all of Mm. the emotional trauma. My husband and I eventually renewed our vows through a lot of prayer and work. And I thought things were better. And then we had one good year and everything fell apart again. And so for me, it wasn't so much that I wanted to leave my husband What really happened is I eventually had to learn to accept reality and mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I made that decision. I no longer felt safe in that relationship and it had gone from being difficult to destructive. And I just knew that the best thing I could do for my family was to give them one healthy parent and I made the choice. It was heartbreaking. It was devastating. But in accepting reality, I was able to save myself, honestly. Wow. And now you touch so many people's lives with your message and vulnerability and openness. And, you know, the inevitability of life is an uncertainty of life. We all understand is part and parcel of the whole thing. But when it happens, you know, it's sort of those things you don't expect it to happen. It's devastating and what you went through. And I'm so sorry you know, that you went through, honestly, a triple whammy like that to have that issue in the relationship and then the physical illnesses. I mean, that's just and then trying again. And that is really hard, but it's generated a different kind of way that you look at life and that you've captured in the way that you reach out to people. And in your most recent book, you talk a lot about, well, tell us about your recent book, your your latest book, I should say. Absolutely. Well, actually, I'll mention two because they kind of go hand in hand. So my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, that message is not about leaving people. It's about learning to love people without losing the best of who we are. And I really felt like it was important for me to write a message that was uniquely feminine in the experiential wisdom that was shared, but also that I addressed goodbyes from a Christian place. I love to marry the two worlds of therapy and theology. And I have a really good therapist that often contributes a lot to my podcast and then also my books and then a great theologian who I have the benefit of studying the Bible with. But when bringing those two worlds together, I just knew I had access to a lot of great wisdom. And I felt like combined with my experiential wisdom, I could really help a lot of people. So that's that message. And then also my book, You're Going to Make It. It's 50 devotions that help people process the hardships that they're going through by receiving from the Lord each morning and releasing things that they need to release each evening. Thank you for that overview. That's really great. Let's talk about the boundaries book, because one of the things that you talk a little bit about, well, quite a lot about is how much access should quickly people, I like that word, have in our lives. So let's talk a little bit about that. And that's pretty much you cover that quite a lot in your boundaries book. I do. So it was interesting. My big question as a Christian woman and Bible teacher, my big question was like, is it okay for a Christian woman to have boundaries? Which sounds kind of silly, but I wanted a theological understanding. Is God okay with boundaries? Because I needed the spiritual 
confidence and the emotional fortitude mm-hmm. to be able to appropriately draw boundaries. So when I looked into the Bible, I got to the place where God establishes the temple and he gave certain people access, but not all people access, but the greater access God gave people, he required a higher level of responsibility. And I remember sitting at the table that day as I was studying and pushing my chair back and thinking, those are two really important words, access and responsibility. And I think- And I think this is where it was falling apart for me in trying to draw healthy boundaries. So to the level that I give someone access to any area of capacity in my life, that could be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, relational, to the level that I'm giving someone access, it is okay and actually healthy for me to require them to bring that same level of responsibility. Where I was getting in trouble is I was giving level 10 access but the other person was only bringing level three responsibility. Mm. And so I kept thinking I need to put a boundary on them to make them force them to lift up their responsibility to the level of access. But that doesn't work. You can't change another person by exerting external pressure. So instead, I learned to draw a boundary around myself and reduce the access I was granting down to their demonstrated level of responsibility. That's a brilliant analogy. I love that the, the one to 10 and then bringing it down. Like they were, you were at a 10, they were at a four and you brought yours down to a four. How did you do that? And what was the impact on the relationship? Great question, because this was the missing piece for me for so long. So healthy people respect healthy boundaries. So first of all, you can have a conversation and you can ask the other person to raise their level of responsibility. We don't need to ask them permission but we just inform them kindly and gracefully. And if that person is healthy, I found even if they have questions around the boundary, even if they don't really like the diminished access, healthy people will respect healthy boundaries. My counselor always says unhealthy people have never met a boundary that they liked. So first of all, you can tell a lot Mm -hmm. about the health of the two individuals when having a boundary conversation. But In a situation where the other person is not responding well to the boundary, then it's important for us to keep this in mind. We're going to be tempted to using external pressure, like I was talking before, to -hmm. try to create dynamics or maybe manipulate dynamics to force that other person to change. But the way I like to think about it is if you and I were together in the room and one of us had a cardiac event we would go to the other and we would using external pressure do CPR to sustain life. But Mm -hmm. if that person's heart does not start to quicken and beat on its own, you cannot permanently sustain someone's life using external pressure. Never have you seen two friends walking around a mall, one doing chest compressions on the other and thinking, wow, that's a healthy dynamic because it's not, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so if we can keep this picture in mind, it is not our our calling or our responsibility or ever what we should do to try to control another person. But we are absolutely responsible to remain self-controlled. And because I want to be self-controlled, then I put a boundary around myself and reduce the access that I grant people because I have a limited supply. I have a limited supply of finances. I have a limited supply of emotional reserves and all the areas of capacity in my life. And I'm limited, not because I'm selfish, but because I'm human. 
And here's here's a good analogy. So do you mind if I flip the script really quick and ask you a question? Absolutely. Okay. So do you have a bank account? Yes. Okay. Do you have a passcode or password attached to your bank Mm -hmm. account? Of course you do, right? And is that because you're selfish? No, it's because it's wise. (laughs) It's wise, right? Because you and I both know it would not be wise to give all people all access to either one of our bank accounts. And so we have a boundary. We have a passcode. And we would permit someone access if they had a history with us where they were trustworthy. And if we knew that they would be as responsible with that opportunity as the access that we grant them. So you see, we are already doing boundaries really, really well mm-hmm. in Good our, example. with our bank accounts, Yeah, but it seems to fall apart sometimes in other areas of our life. That's true. So, so Lisa, I love that. I love the analogies that you've used of both of those, you know, the cardiac event where these initial collaboration and then there is the independence where you've got to you know get your heart sorted out and the bank account example too so can you give an example in your own life of how you applied this so we've got the concept we've got the analogy can you give us an example and how did that impact your mental health absolutely so let's start with an easier one rather than a boundary with a traumatic relationship. And honestly, boundary conversations are never easy. Some people I think Mm-mm. can do them really well. I'm the kind of person that I, I don't want to have the hard conversation. So this, uh, my book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes is written from the perspective of someone who really struggles with this, but mm-hmm. who also has made a lot of progress. So let's say, I'll give you an example of actually that happened in my life. I have a friend that I love dearly. She's amazing. And we love to go to conferences together. My friend and I, though, we have different definitions of what being on time means. So my definition of on time is I want to get there 20 minutes early. I want to get my seat. I want to go to the bathroom. I want to check out the merch table. And I want to be in my seat so that I can see the announcement slides before the music ever begins. So that's my definition of being on time. Her definition of being on time is that she feels great if she can kind of get in before the last song is done. And as long as she's there before the speaker starts, she's on time. Now, what this means, it doesn't mean she's a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means we have different definitions and different needs around the timing of us attending events. So... Here's what happened. We were going to conferences and she was, in my mind, she was running late. And then I would get to the conference and I would feel like I couldn't even settle in because I felt like I'd missed so much. I didn't have my water. I didn't have time to go to the bathroom. I didn't get to sort of orient myself to the situation. And it was really dysregulating to me. She was fine with it. So she kept asking me to go to conferences. And finally, I realized that I was starting to avoid going to places with her, not because I didn't love her, but because I couldn't handle the anxiety and the simmering resentments and frustration that was happening inside of me. So I knew I can either ignore it and let the relationship deteriorate, or I can be brave enough and loving enough to have a conversation. And so I had a conversation with her and I said exactly what I said at the beginning. We have different definitions on time. That doesn't make me wrong and you right or you wrong and me right. It means we're different and that's okay. So what I'm 
informing because we we want to inform, not ask for permission. So what I'm I'm informing you of is that I still want to go to conferences with you. However, it may be a better idea for us to ride separately and meet there. And here's the huge benefit. I'll save you a seat. So you'll get a better seat. I'll show you where the bathroom is. I'll get a bottle of water for you. If you missed any important announcements, I'll fill you in and you are free to get there anytime you want and we'll still enjoy the conference together. And the only thing it will cost us is not riding together. I love that. Great example. So do you mind if we transition to something a little bit more traumatic? Because we get in, as you know, I deal with mental health on this podcast and the challenges of just people. And one of the questions that I get asked a lot, Lisa, is about how to deal with toxic people, specifically within the family, because you're living with them or you connected with them in, in a big way. And they, they, you know, we have we have prickly people in our lives. And so that's a very common question. So I'd love your answer on, on that. Because there's, as you know, so much out there on boundaries too. There's so many books, there's so many social media posts on boundaries. I just think it's quite good that we dive in with, with solid examples. So if you're comfortable with that, Absolutely. could you bring it closer to a more sort of traumatic type situation where well, however, however you want to handle that question. Absolutely. So I think, first of all, we need to make peace that there will be grief when the relationship changes. The other person is not going to like changes because they feel in their mind there's been a certain relational contract. And if that relationship has been there a while, if you start changing the contract, they're going to think something is wrong with you and they're going to react because people usually don't take kindly to change. It's it's mm-hmm. hard. So I think we need to make peace. There will be grief for that person, but there will also be grief for us because we're obviously connected to that person because in some way they are giving us something that we like or something we feel we need. And Carolyn, I had to mm-hmm. work on this piece most specifically. I used to say I was a people pleaser. And to some extent, that's a big category for, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of us. So what I was really doing, though, it wasn't that I was people pleasing to try to keep the other person happy. There was some of that going on. But if I was really honest, I was trying to people please to keep that person happy because I was afraid they would take from me something that if they took from me, if I drew a boundary in this relationship... And then they withdrew. They would take from me something that I was not willing to give up. So I suffered in a relationship knowing I needed boundaries, but refusing to draw them because the pain of drawing the boundary seemed greater than what I was experiencing in the relationship, the need for the boundary. Until one day it occurred to me that I will always desperately want from this other person what I fear God will not provide for me what I fear I cannot get on my own, what I fear I'm too weak to overcome on my own. And I had to have a real honest conversation with myself and just sit with myself and just say, Lisa, this person is contributing to this absolutely because their behavior is unacceptable, but you're also contributing to this because you are unwilling to face the consequence of what a boundary might cause. So I had to spend some time counting the cost. What is the cost going to be of this boundary? And in the end, for that particular situation, I had to realize that it was more important 
for the best of who I am to stay front and center in my life. And that was not going to be, that was not going to be possible in the toxic dynamic that we were in, the dysfunctional dance that we were in. It was bringing out the worst of me. And so my decision came down, who do I want to be in this world, the best of me or the worst of me? And that's the thing that finally motivated me to draw the necessary boundaries. And did it cost me something? It absolutely cost me something. Ultimately, it cost me my marriage. And ultimately, it broke my heart. But I also realized that we cannot make another person change if they are unwilling or incapable of changing. We have to be honest with the reality of that dynamic. And we've got to stop minimizing the best of who we are to cover up for the worst of who someone else is. And for Christians, Mm -hmm. you know, a verse that a lot of people like to say is, well, Jesus laid down his life. Shouldn't we lay down our life for a friend, for a spouse, for our children? Jesus laid down his life to accomplish a high and holy purpose. Jesus did not lay down his life to enable bad behavior to continue. As I discussed in episode 457 of my podcast, sleep is crucial for our productivity, well-being, and health. It was such an interesting episode. I encourage all of you to go and give it a listen. You all know that I love Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. It's been a life changer for my sleep as well as mood and relaxation and has become an important part of my daily mind management routine. And this month only, you can get a free bottle of this best-selling full-spectrum supplement that contains all seven forms of magnesium your body craves in exactly the right balance as part of BioOptimizer's 14-day sleep challenge. All you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee, no other strings attached, no other purchases required. The challenge is simple. Try Magnesium Breakthrough for 14 days and see all of the positive changes I just mentioned. And if your sleep and energy are not absolutely rocking by the end of 14 days, you've lost nothing. To get your free bottle, just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf free and enter the coupon code DrLeaf10. To get your free 14-day supply right now and start the challenge, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash DrLeaf free and use the coupon code DrLeaf10. The link and details will be in the show notes. Well, thank you for that. That was great. I mean, we put up a post just a couple of weeks ago or last week and just said that what you've gone through doesn't mean that you have to have your behavior. I'm just summarizing. You don't, doesn't mean that it gives you permission to behave badly or what you're experiencing doesn't give you the permission to behave badly and that impacts other people. So pretty much what you're saying. And it was the reason I speak about that particular post is we had such an incredible response to that person. You know, so I'm very glad that you brought up this concept because as you say, there's so much almost this guilt around, look, first of all, we do need to try and make things work, obviously, but the the point that you've made of you can't change the other person is very relevant, but we can change how we respond. And part of that response that we have may be what you had to do. You had to, you had to make a decision to end the marriage because it was bringing out the worst in you. And it's not like you didn't try. I mean, you did try again. Some people may not be able to try again because it's just so bad. And I'm very glad. And the reason I wanted to bring this up more is because I think there's so much guilt around in women specifically about we have to make things work. And you know, why didn't we work be able to fix the marriage, fix the husband, fix the child, fix the friend? It's kind of encultured into us whether people believe whatever they believe. I believe across all religions, across all philosophies, etc., is this thing 
that men, not the only women, obviously men too, but it's very strong, I believe, in in women to try and fix things in terms of that deep emotional stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think about, you know, that Oh, concept? absolutely. And, you know, when I look back at the, it was really 10 years that things were not right. I think there were healthy reasons that I stayed and I tried again. And I think there were some very unhealthy reasons that I tried and I stayed again. Can you be a bit more specific? Just give maybe one or two, as comfortable as you are with that. Absolutely. I, even though I would say with my mouth, I can't change another person. I very much worked myself into emotional fray trying because I kept thinking, okay, just one more month, just one more holiday, just one more therapy session, just one more treatment center. You know, I just Mm -hmm. kept thinking just one more and I will finally get the man of my dreams. I finally will. See, the hard thing in my situation is I had experienced 20 years with this person of what it wasn't perfect, but I really felt like we had a really special relationship and a really special family dynamic. And then there were addictions that got in and then there were affairs that came in and it became very unhealthy. But in my mind, I kept trying to expect this person to be what they were no longer willing or capable of being. And so I just kept thinking one more and things will change. And if I give up right now, then another woman is one day going to benefit from him just doing that one more therapy session, getting healthy mm. and being this incredible person that I knew that he he had, he could be. And I think I just refused to accept reality for way too long. I think that I diminished the best of who I was to cover up for the worst of who someone else was. I think I believed I would not be okay in this world if I was a divorced woman. And mm. the, the Bible verse that kept ringing in my ears was God hates divorce. God hates divorce. And I put so much unrealistic pressure on myself to not only not have a divorce, but also to, to tidy up things so that the ministry that I work with wouldn't look bad and, and that he wouldn't look bad and our family wouldn't look bad. And then one day with my good friend, Dr. Joel Mutamale, I was doing some studying around that verse. It comes from Malachi chapter two, God hates divorce. Well, what's interesting is that version, that interpretation of that verse did not come about until after the King James version. The original text actually says, when a man hates and divorces his wife, he does violence against the one he should protect. And when I realized that I mean, that interpretation helped me step back and just say, we can't, marriage is crucial. Marriage is important. Marriage is beautiful. It's amazing. And I encourage people in a difficult marriage, there's a big difference between difficult and destructive. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're just having difficulties, then definitely fight for your marriage. It's worth fighting for. But when your marriage gets to a certain place where you are no longer safe inside the dynamic of that marriage... And you need to accept reality, go and find some safe people, particularly some professional people like you, like maybe their therapist at home and whoever is safe and whoever is trained to be able to look at this relationship and give you an honest thought about what is going on, do that because 
We can't accept reality if we never acknowledge reality. That's extremely powerful. We cannot accept reality if we don't acknowledge reality. And you know, just a couple of things about that excellent um, ex- explanation you've just given is that chronic unmanaged stress leads to mental and physical vulnerability to illness and so on. And there's so much, I mean, that's been a lot of my research has been for years and there's so much established research. And if you just talk about like your own life, you spoke about the breast cancer, you both spoke about the colon, twisted colon that you literally had to have removed. And, you know, so that every, every mind experiences and it gets embodied in every cell of our body and you experience that. So it's not that you're telling people to give up, you're telling people to be real and to acknowledge and face the reality. And I think also this links to a little bit of religious trauma where there is this, how we, or a lot of religious trauma where there's, and and not just Christianity, but in, in a lot of religions of what specifically a woman is supposed to do and what people are supposed to do. And it's, it really is, and I'm very pleased that you pointed out that if you look at original translations, because many times that does happen in all religious texts, you have to go back to the, if one can, go back to the original source, and even then there's context. So it's, you know, this hard and fast, this is the only way, can be very, very damaging, which just sounds like what you experience in your own life, and which I Absolutely. think a lot of people listening to this conversation can relate to. Yeah, because trauma isn't just something that happens to us. It happens in us. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I almost died twice because I refused to acknowledge reality. And instead, the emotional pain that I was experiencing because I didn't remove myself from that situation, the emotional pain really started to feed into some pretty Yourself. devastating mm-hmm. physical reality. Absolutely. Well, I mean, just the the chronic and managed stress is affecting our biological age, right down to the level of our DNA. Every moment of every day, it's changing your proteins. And, you know, this mind-brain-body connection is very real, and you experience that in your life. Lisa, thank you for being so vulnerable and honest and open. And what would you encourage if you, it's sort of a closing words of wisdom. You have so many words of wisdom, and I encourage people to get your books and to, you know, listen to your podcasts and so on. What would you what could you leave our listeners with as an encouraging? And I know we ended up just talking around one concept, but we covered so much in this one concept and it's so important. That's why I decided to go deeper into that particular one, that one area of dealing with a traumatic situation and how you dealt with it with boundaries. Can you give us a sort of final word of wisdom for this particular podcast of around the discussion that we've just had? Absolutely. You know, I think for a long time, we have seen boundaries as something that is shoving other people away or shutting other people out. But I think a more appropriate look at boundaries is boundaries help us avoid extremes. The extreme of just putting, it's like the one extreme of just putting up with it, no matter what, Mm -hmm. to the other extreme, getting so fed up that we just leave, we snap, we give up, you know, and I think boundaries really help us bring things back to the middle and help us avoid those extremes using effective communication and boundaries don't have to be devastating to relationships. They actually help you communicate what you do need and what you don't need, what you will accept, what you will not accept, what you do have to give and what you don't have to give. And I think more conversations need to be had. I think more relationships die, not because we attempt to have the boundary conversations and they don't work, but more relationships die because of needed conversations that are never had. Oh, that's amazing. That's so important. I love that two statements, two highlights of that statement is 
boundaries help us avoid extremes and relationships are dying because we don't have the necessary conversations. And on that note, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really very, very valuable conversation. I know many people have benefited. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's always an honor to be with you. And likewise. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.